0: Hello
1: and welcome to Everybody
0: A, Everybody Gay.
1: A queer exploration of pretty little liars.
0: With your host, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer.
1: And your other host, LCO123, aka Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vander Jesus.
0: And tonight we bring you Hannah Knows What Hannah Means, our Hannah Marin special.
1: Yeah, it I am so excited about this episode. I know we have we both have a lot that we want to talk about. You know, it's been we've been kind of in like the the dark valley of Hannah lately, and it's not really going to get much better. It's been a, a tough time to be a fan of Hannah Marin. But uh, tonight, we're just we're going to kind of talk about her and what we love about her and her relationships with the other girls. I feel like this episode has really been a long time coming. Yeah, it has.
0: We've talked about it a lot. We've done like, you know, we've done things that are related to her, but we haven't really put her in the spotlight, um which, you know, isn't that really just the whole story of Hannah's young life?
1: Yes, sort of the always the brides made, perpetually perpetual story.
0: Yes, yes. Well, let's start off talking about some of our Hannah highlights. I feel like one of the things Uh, One of the things that you've got to know about Hannah is that she is like, she is the key to some of the best moments in the whole run of the show.
1: Oh, completely. I was, uh, you know, as I was kind of like thinking about this episode, I looked up some articles of like the best, you know, Hannah Marin moments and so many of them, they're talking about her one liners and her, you know, her, her funny zingers and her funny moments and for sure, she has tons of funny moments, but she also has so many great emotional uh, grounding moments. And uh, yeah, should we run through a few of our a few of our favorites? Well, well,
0: you know that like my top two moments of the show are Hannah are are involving Hannah pretty heavily, and that of course is uh, you know you were Emily dating Ben, now you're Emily dating Maya. We love Emily, Hannah Marin teaching the world how to process it when your friend comes out to you and of course bang bang uh two two great hannah emily scenes uh very different but uh both just you know put hannah right there in my heart
1: oh those are two absolutely fabulous moments um you know, another early Hannah one that I love is kind of related to to that first Hannah Emily scene in um, the Perfect Storm episode when they've discovered the letter that Emily wrote Allison and Wilden is kind of trying to lord it over her and Hannah just like yells at him to give it back. And it's so ferocious and it's so indicative of like Hannah's loyalty and Hannah's incredible love for her friends. Uh, And and an incredible lack of judgment.
0: Well, and also Hannah in that moment, because Hannah and Ashley are already being terrorized by Wilden at that point. So like he's already someone who like Hannah knows that he is like a much better guy than the other liars realize. Um, So for her to like be willing to take him on in that way and, and to take him on on Emily's behalf in a way that she hasn't taken him on on her own um, that's like classic Hannah Marin bravery right there,
1: absolutely. And it's really the first time that somebody is fighting for Emily with the full knowledge of Emily's identity, yeah, so, yeah, it's a really significant moment. Uh, I love any time Hannah decides that she needs to cosplay to really, like, get into the character of whatever she's doing. I love that, you know, much like Aria, Hannah really, when she's hungover, like, she really kind of puts together a look, I feel. Like, her whole bad girl Hannah wardrobe. Uh, there's that episode where she has to, like, take Caleb away to the, uh, to the lake house, Spencer's lake house, I think. And she's dressed kind of like Tippy Hedren or something. Like, she has, like, a headscarf and glasses on. Uh, you know, when she has to put on her sleek black dress to go confess to Wilden's murder, I feel like even her whole like kind of coming back from New York, like Hannah really, I and we'll talk about this in terms of Hannah's identity, like she is, she has really sort of the most malleable identity of any of the liars. And I feel like she, it, she's almost like a drag queen in a sense, in that she's like, I am going to put on the drag. Of, ha- of being hungover I'm going to put on the drag of like being the you know the heartbroken girlfriend or whatever like I I really love that whenever she gets to do that
0: that's a great point especially because so much of Hannah is fashion uh yeah so she really like she uses that in a in a very specific way
1: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: uh also and I know that these two I think are on your list of Hannah moments as well but like when we talk about like just like scenes that are like the best scenes of the run of the show we have to say hannah hitting holbrook with a tire iron and saying you i think you have the line written down
1: yeah you're the grown-up police officer she's just a girl oh the like a thesis statement of like the ideal version of pll
0: yes Yes. And that, like, when Hannah drives away, like, you see that her hand is just shaking. Yes. She's still going. Uh, And I I love I love that, like, persistence in Hannah.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Uh, Also, you know, any time that Hannah gets to sort of dabble in queerness is a lot of fun. She flirts with everyone but me. We recently talked about that line, but that's a great line. Of course, Hannah at the lesbian bar getting the pink drink thrown on her, followed by (laughs) the scene of Ashley asking if Hannah was exploring a new feeling. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about Ashley tonight, uh, but that whole storyline is just makes me so happy. And again, also speaks to Hannah's loyalty as a friend, that she goes in on a mission and ends up actually being really concerned that Emily is being cheated on.
0: Yes, but also like love Hannah just inadvertently instigating a bar fight in a lesbian club. Like she's just you know she's just too hot to handle. You just you know you cannot contain her. Also the physical comedy of that of of that scene where where Ashley Benson is like ducking down and like oh oh my goodness
1: yeah like duck walking across the floor (laughs) and like pops up. It's so good. It's so good.
0: Oh man. Uh, Yeah. So that's, that's definitely a great one. Um, And then like, not even so much like, uh, of course, like the one that we're naming this episode after uh, Hannah getting drunk at the dinner party and just uh, another thesis statement for the show. uh, Hannah knows what Hannah means. Like you don't need to try to put other words in her mouth. You don't need to try to like smooth it out or, you know, avoid someone's feathers being ruffled. Hannah knows what Hannah means. She meant what she said, said what she meant.
1: Exactly, exactly. And she's not going to have anyone else speaking for her. Uh, I also love, this is kind of a, like, it was interesting. I was scrolling through the episode list earlier today. And this is not one that normally comes to mind for me. But the, when I stumbled upon it, I was like, oh, that's it. I love this moment. Uh, When Caleb, I think it's in season two, maybe when Caleb is in has gotten arrested and Hannah has to uh, wipe his hard drive uh, and she has to like break into his computer. And there's that whole great sequence where like Spencer and Hannah are like in Hannah's room trying to figure it out. And first of all, I love it because it's like a moment of Hannah having agency and actually Hannah getting to save Caleb, which I feel like. Those moments are fewer and farther between the later we go in the series. But it also has the great exchange where Spencer says, control A, Hannah, control A. And Hannah says, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Which I love. Also, uh, the you know, when she wants cheese fries. And then I think that that's also a scene where they're talking about heels and she says she wears four inches or she wears nothing. Or maybe it's six inches. Like, a- again, another great little and she's too depressed to work a zipper after her breakup. Like, all great moments,
0: great moments. I yeah, there's I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Hannah and food. But uh, I really like when Spencer is like laying out the situation at Thornhill Lodge. and she's using, I think one of Hannah's cheese sticks is the plane. and Hannah yes. is like, <laughs> Hannah eating orange juice, frozen orange juice straight out of the can. Um, I mean,
1: it's a classic.
0: Yeah, Hannah Marin never, never change. Um, but I also, I, I also really love some of the smaller uh, moments, and you know, we'll talk about her relationship with all of the liars, but particularly some of the Hannah and Mona moments are are at the top of the list uh, for me. One of them is, uh, of course, Mona teaching Hannah the she loafs under trees code. Yes. Uh, that that is gonna be like their their secret way of talking to one another. And I love that because it's such a it, it's it's such a thing that kids do, but it's also it's also a thing that A does. And so yeah. I love I love that like Mona is kind of like trying to show Hannah this other side of her. I love that it's just like this childlike thing that seems trivial or unimportant, but it's actually like an extremely important character detail. And it's just showing the way that, like, in Mona's ideal world, she and Hannah have, like, this secret language uh, that the two of them can communicate in. So I I really love the Hannah-Mona code.
1: Oh, I love that as well. I, Yes, any time that Hannah can kind of acknowledge how much Mona means to her, I love. Especially a lot of the stuff after she thought that Mona died. Uh, related, though, when she asks Mona to hypnotize her into thinking she killed Wilden is, I mean, I, I, I obviously that's not a huge surprise. That's one of my favorite little arcs of the whole series, but I just love how she knows Mona so well. And Mona knows her so well. And that whole little storyline portrays that beautifully that like Hannah knows that Mona is the only person who can help her do this. And, Mona knows that Hannah can't do this, which is why she's going to ultimately turn herself in. But it's just it's it's very much kind of like the secret code. It's like this moment of the two of them sort of being the only person who can provide this thing for the other one. It's just it's just fascinating. Um, Also, you know, any of the arcs with Hannah being in therapy are so great. Well, again, we'll probably talk more in depth about that later, but. Uh, after the dollhouse, Hannah, you know, demanding that the liars go to therapy, I think is so great. Uh, and I also have to say, you know, we have been hating really hard on Haleb and Caleb lately for good reason. But there was a time when Haleb was great. And I do think like some of the early Haleb moments, like the moment in the shower is a lot of fun. Uh, And also the moment, and I know I've talked about this before, when Caleb goes to see his mom and he comes to say goodbye to Hannah and they're both really tearful. And it's such a beautiful moment because it's Hannah is heartbroken because he's leaving, but she's also so overjoyed for him getting this opportunity. And it's so such a, a moment that's indicative of the bigness of Hannah's heart that like her excitement for Caleb sort of overpowers her feelings of like sadness and disappointment. And that's the moment where they say that they love each other. Uh, And, and the first time that they have sex, I think is a really uh, for the most part, pretty lovely scene and probably the best like virginity loss scene. Not that, (laughs) not that, you know, I mean, virginity is obviously a very complicated concept and construct, but I think it's probably the best of the bunch.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I would say, like, talking about kind of really good Hannah scenes that are, like, also Caleb scenes, I would say the scene when Hannah is just sitting on the stairs being sad, and Caleb just comes and sits next to her, like, that's the kind of emotional support that Hannah needs and that he's able to provide in the early days. Uh, and then, like, I mean, by the time we get to the end, like, you know, he would not be sitting on the stairs with her. He would be like, ironing out like a five point plan on how he thinks this should be fixed
1: (laughs) right right um hannah in shadow play i love i think that that's such a fun little uh time for her and and again i think we'll talk about this more in a bit but the way that she reacts to spencer's addiction is so great like the way she's like no, something is wrong. You need to tell me what's wrong. Like, we need to deal with this. And, uh, you know, we have talked about how badly the all of the liars react to Spencer's addiction. But I think Hannah has the best of, a again, the best of a bad bunch uh, reaction. And, you know, I love when we get to see those moments of her really showing up for her friends.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely love that too. I would also say, uh the whole arc of Hannah visiting Mona in Radley. Once we've discovered Hannah knows that Mona is A. It's something that like everybody is still kind of trying to process in their different ways. Uh, and that Hannah's way involves sneaking, uh, sneaking herself into Radley on the regular to talk to Mona and do her makeup, even when Mona is like completely non-responsive. Hannah still goes. That is that is like how large Hannah's heart is and how important she knows that Mona is to her.
1: I completely agree. And adding to that, when she fights for Mona to stay at Radley and not be transferred uh, and acknowledges that like there's a world in which she could be Mona, I, I think is such an important little moment. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I completely, completely agree. Uh, and Then I'm also going to add uh, on the, on the Mona train, uh the ghost train when hannah and mona almost kiss because mona is wearing just purely by coincidence i'm sure oh yeah the same costume that caleb is
1: it's the hottest outfit everybody's wearing it (laughs) yeah i also would add the whole like the liars in new york arc like we've talked about what a Uh, sort of drag that is I think Hannah is probably like the best part of that whole arc you know she's like trying to get food out of the vending machines and like complimenting Spencer's field hockey skirt and like (laughs) musing about you know the hobbies that she might like to have uh and she's the one who like pulls the gun on a like I think that that she in the in the best parts of the show before the section of the show that we're unfortunately in right now Hannah was almost always like the bright spot the spot of like Humor and warmth and loyalty w- when you know maybe some other weird chaotic things were happening around her. Yeah,
0: I I definitely think that that's true. Also, Hannah is at the center of the best off screen belly laugh in all of PLL, which is when Hannah is going to do the chip removal neck surgeries on the other liars. Yes. and she's watched she's watched the YouTube videos. Everyone, uh, yeah. She- You just hear Aria and Emily yelping off screen as Hannah is operating on them.
1: I thought that you were going to refer to uh, her referencing shimmying up Mona's drain pipe.
0: Oh, you know, or also uh, I would say when the moms, when the wine moms are having uh, their prom get together and they think that it's thunder. But Ashley says, no, I think that was just Hannah parking. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I love that Hannah, like within canon, is a bad driver. Like I think that's <laughs> such a that's such a like great character note for who she is. That like she is absolutely a person who would be really bad at driving. It completely fits. Um. Well, do we have more specific moments that we want to talk about? I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about many as we're as we're going through here. No, I think we I
0: think we covered uh, a lot of really great Hannah moments. My only other one. Uh, that I had, because I know we've talked a lot about Ashley Benson being kind of checked out uh, post-time jump and, and the way that that affects the character of Hannah, and so I was trying really hard to think of post-jump Hannah moments that I am a fan of. Okay, we'll say, I will say, I have two, uh, they're both Trojan related, and one of them is the scene when they're on the swings at the park, and the other is uh, in the episode that Trojan directed, Uh, when Hannah is like getting coffee and talking on the phone and gives that super suspicious look to somebody who's just like a passerby, Um, which, which is just like, that's the kind of thing that makes the show work. That's the kind of thing that breathes life into the character of Hannah. Uh, And, and we miss that a lot in the later seasons. So those are my, those are my two call outs of post jump Hannah that I enjoy.
1: Well, I I think those are great call outs and maybe we could sort of segue this into a discussion about like, what are some things that we believe about Hannah slash what is it that we love about Hannah? I think just starting the conversation off there, since we've been uh, pretty critical of the character of Hannah and the performance uh, in the last, you know, several weeks.
0: Yeah. I mean, over the run of the show, I think the thing that stands out about Hannah is just her enormous... Uh, just like the boundless, uh, boundless love that she has in her heart for her friends,
1: I agree. I you, in the first fic of yours that I ever read, uh, you referred to Hannah's heart as a big blank check, and that phrase has stuck in my mind ever since I read it because I think it is such an accurate description of like what what her heart is is and the way that that manifests in loyalty and in open-mindedness and in, you know, listening to the people that she loves and forgiving the people that she loves. Uh, I I really think that Hannah, I I think, and I was thinking about this today, I was like, I think that Hannah in her soul believes that the world is a good place and believes that people in their soul are good. Like, I, I think that that is a thing that I would say about her.
0: I think that that's true, even after everything that's happened to them, i, I agree. I think that Hannah thinks uh, and and definitely wants to believe that the world is a good place,
1: yeah. i I agree. And she, she her open mindedness, like I was when you referenced the scene where um there where Spencer is building the <laughs> the the Hawthorne set with with various food items, like, I think that scene is so indicative of Hannah's just open mind and sort of ability to believe in various realities where she's like, maybe Allison is alive. Like, we didn't see a body. Like, maybe that, you know. And she is consistently, I feel, the character who is like, maybe this thing is real. Maybe, this, maybe two things can be true. Maybe Mona was my best friend and I loved her. And maybe she was also A and tortured us. And, like, this is complicated and hard, but, like, that is my reality that these two things are true maybe I love my father and maybe he's a bastard who is always going to disappoint me like I think that that is a a key element of her character and she has this sort of curiosity about herself and the world that I find really compelling in a character and makes it really easy to root for her
0: yeah and you know what you were just saying like Hannah is able to Hannah is able to hold on to like two different complex ideas at the same time. Mona was my best friend, Mona was A. Like she is able to take both of those things and look at them and give them weight and then break that complex situation down to a really simple formula of, but I love Mona. Yeah, like the love is what's gonna win the day. Hannah loves her dad, even though he's a terrible, awful, narcissistic jerk who will never be there for her. Um, You know, she she cuts off contact with him, but she definitely still loves him.
1: And as is so often the case, like her greatest strength, I think, is also her greatest weakness, because like she she gives people often maybe more chances than they deserve. She. Uh, Like with Lucas, like with Caleb, like with Allison at times, like she she gives people sort of um, this almost this power over her in a sense, I think, out of her desire to be loving and be forgiving. And I think is is often kind of afraid of coming into her own power and like what that would mean uh, to sort of set some of these boundaries in some of these relationships.
0: Well it's interesting because when we talk about a character like Lucas like everything that Lucas does is motivated by a desire for a return. Like it's an interesting character note that he has a gambling problem because like that that's what he's about. He's about yeah. wanting to get something back. Hannah is like the polar opposite of that. Hannah loves like freely and without reserve and Hannah like there are not any Strings attached. Like, yeah. She, she's going to forgive you even if you make no promises of reform. CF Mona, CF Allison. Like, that's just, that's who Hannah is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about this today. Like, I think Hannah at her core is a very non competitive person. Like, I think that she is somebody who, like, if everybody could get a trophy, she would be happy with that. You know, contrast that with someone like Spencer, who, like, she's competitive at everything. She's competitive at yoga. You know, like, (laughs) she needs there to be order and hierarchy. And I think that Hannah, like, she sort of, at her core, I don't think she believes that one person is better than any other person. I think she sort of feels like everybody – is on like relatively equal footing. I think it's why she's often like isn't super tactful, or like sometimes will like sort of say something not uh, super appropriate to like an authority figure because like she, I think she's like I'm no better than anybody else. Nobody else is really better than me.
0: Uh, well, I think I think that you're you're hitting on two different things there, and I definitely think that part of that comes from. Hannah never thinks that she's better than anyone else whereas whereas every other liar Emily is a competitive athlete Emily definitely thrives on being better than other people when it comes to swimming when it comes to that kind of performance Spencer oh my gosh 100 yes Spencer thinks that she's better than like 99 percent of the people who exist um Aria is definitely like, she certainly thinks she's better than people who don't understand the ending of Breakfast at Tiffany's just to pick an example, completely at random. Like, so all of the other liars, Allison. uh, of course, they all think that they're better uh, than a lot of people. Hannah, because she has struggled so much with her self-esteem, Hannah never thinks that she's better than anybody. Uh, And I think that that is what makes her so incredibly kind to so many people. Uh, who the other liars would not necessarily choose to be kind to.
1: Right. And and I think that like the idea of being unique is less important to her than the idea of being kind, uh, which I think is not necessarily like, I think that's very much something she got from Ashley. I don't think that's something that like Byron and Ella taught Aria, for example. Certainly not something Veronica and Peter taught Spencer.
0: Oh, no, they they. They put, like, I think absolutely zero stress on trying to be kind to people. They were raising Spencer and Melissa.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, How do you think Hannah's, like, I kind of talked about Hannah's identity, like, Hannah's sort of more malleable identity, how do you think that that impacts her character and sort of how she relates to the world? Well,
0: I think that that's an interesting question. I think that Hannah is made up of, there's a lot of Ashley in Hannah, there's a lot of Mona in Hannah, and there's a lot of Allison in Hannah. So I think that like, I think that Hannah has like absorbed different, like, well, you know, we're saying like, she likes to cosplay. Like Hannah has like, tried on these identities in various forms. And I think she's kind of like treated them as a little bit of a buffet, like what she's going yeah. to take and what she's going to leave. Like she takes a lot of Allison's identity, but she never takes Allison's meanness. Like she yes. never takes Allison's attitude, um, because that wouldn't that wouldn't be her. That wouldn't be true to who Hannah is. Um, so, I think that it's I think that it's really interesting, uh, and I think that Hannah, like in the show, Hannah goes through like an overt identity crisis when Allison comes back because the question is like, well, if, if Hannah became the new Allison and now Allison's back, who is Hannah? Where does that yeah. leave her? Uh, and I, do you think over the course of the show, do you think Hannah figures that out? Cause I sort of sense that it might be more of a lifelong journey for her.
1: Oh, I think it is. I think it is a lifelong journey for her. I think she's always sort of struggling with like, who am I at my core? And I, You know, I think a a generous reading of the Hannah that we see post time jump is that she's really struggling with that. And that's why she seems so sort of chilly and checked out. Uh, But I also think that Hannah has this firsthand understanding that people can change and that allows her to be more empathetic to everybody, but specifically to Mona and to the idea of A, because like in her mind, she's changed so many times. Like, why would she believe that other people don't have the same ability?
0: Hmm. I like that. I like that, that idea, idea a lot. I think that Hannah, like, part of her identity stuff just comes from the fact that, like, the last the last Hannah that she remembers being before Moda kind of turned her into Allison was, like, a Hannah she doesn't like like Hannah had a lot of self-loathing yeah she was struggling with disordered eating Allison was like a a really emotionally abusive friend to her Mm -hmm. Uh, so I feel like the last Hannah that Hannah remembers is not somebody who Hannah particularly likes or particularly has compassion for so I feel like Hannah is almost always trying to set her up herself up in opposition to this idea of like Hefty Hannah to this idea of like the Hannah that was like the butt of everybody's joke.
1: Yeah, it's almost like her whole life after that point is about killing that version of herself. Yeah. In whatever way she can. And sometimes that manifests in some pretty dark impulses.
0: Well, we've talked before about how she seems to just be oblivious to Mona and Lucas and yeah. how in love with her both of those characters are. And I feel like it actually, when we think about Hannah and her self-esteem, I think it begs the question of like, is she really that oblivious? Or does Hannah just like, some part of her doesn't really think that she's worthy of love. So she's not expecting uh, for Mona and for Lucas to have like the deep rooted feelings that have gone on for years uh, that, that they both clearly do.
1: I think that that is such an interesting point. And it's like she can't look at it straight on because she doesn't believe that it exists or to look at it straight on would be to acknowledge that it exists. It actually it reminds me of um, I was I've been listening to the uh, the You're Wrong About series about uh, O.J. Simpson. So my, my mind has been has been there a lot frequently. And in one of the episodes, uh, Sarah Marshall talks about the idea of uh, sort of people seeking out unrequited love because if somebody were to actually look at them and love them and have it be a a sort of reciprocal thing, then that would mean that the person was looking at them fully and could reject them for who they actually are rather than sort of an idea of who they are. And I wonder if there's a way in which a reverse version of that happens with Hannah in her relationships with Mona and Lucas, where it would be like where it's sort of like to actually let that love in would be to let them see her fully. And that is terrifying to her because what if they reject that version of her?
0: Mm. I I think that is a fantastic yeah. point. Especially when we think about Hannah and Tom Marin. Like her yes. dad. Somebody who is supposed to love her condition, unconditionally and who nonetheless just vanishes on her consistently.
1: And I think that that wound is such a core component of Hannah's character.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and Hannah is like willing to, you know, cut him out, to have no contact with him, to only see him like in times when like, there's just no other choice, but then she has to deal with him. Uh, but I definitely think that that is something that she carries uh, and, and that that is like, it it feeds into this idea that she has that like, Nobody is ever going to love me completely because, like, my dad didn't.
1: Because he didn't, exactly. And also this feeling that, like, if she's good enough or thin enough or pretty enough or smart enough, like, he will come back and he will love her back. And I also think this idea that she has of, like, I can love somebody into a different shape. Like, the force of my love is so strong that, like, maybe it will maybe it can change things. And that, I think, speaks a little bit to a a sort of naivete of Hannah's that is, I think, very um, well-intentioned, right? Is this idea of, like, love is this powerful force that can, you know, move mountains and change circumstances. And I think that that's also present in in her relationship with Caleb that it's like even in the even in the last episode where they had you know that that flashback the the cursed flashback in the in the uh, New York apartment when she said you know we'll figure it out we always do it's sort of this idea of like well we love each other we love each other and like love love has to be the force that can overcome this it just has to be yeah
0: well also I think that when you think about that when we talk about that scene with Hannah and Caleb and we think about uh, the history of Ashley and Tom, uh, I think that we can really see that Hannah believes as long as I don't give up on this, it still exists. Like, as long as I still believe in it, we're still going to be able to make it somehow. And Caleb just cutting out the way he does, like, talk about, I mean, talk about just like, re-traumatizing someone you come back all of his clothes are gone his phone is still on the counter that's how much he doesn't want to talk to you like oh man
1: yeah I don't wear it hurts wow you know what I gosh that's such a good point I've never thought about him leaving in connection with Tom leaving but that is such a good point oh god that makes that even worse (laughs) like um because that was what Tom was doing through her whole childhood and what Tom you know, essentially, did to Ashley like, oh, yeah,
0: and and I mean, Hannah trusted Caleb to not do that, like, yes, misplaced yes.
1: trust. Misplaced trust. Well, and we've kind of talked about like Caleb morphing into this father figure to Hannah, but maybe specifically, it's Caleb morphing into Hannah's actual father figure, Tom Marin. <laughs> I mean, he's gonna cheat on Spencer, we know it, or cheat with yeah. Spencer. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tom Marin, like, has two families. He's, like, engaged to Isabella. Yes. And he's playing house with Ashley. Gee, who else do we know who's, like, playing house with Spencer while, yes. like, engaging in this whole Hannah flirtation? I mean, yeah, the, the similarities are, are not small, I feel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is such a good point. There is such an interesting thing, I feel, with with all of the liars. And it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like, was this intentional on the part of the writers or not? Where they all are sort of morphing into their parents, I feel by the end of the series. Uh, it, you know, Emily is, I feel, is very much kind of in the Wayne role. Uh, uh, Spencer, I, I, think, has a lot of that sort of standby your man, Veronica Hastings energy, especially in connection with Caleb. Uh, obviously, you know, Hannah and the and the Ashley situation, and I mean, Arya is basically her mother. Uh, so it is, yeah, it is, it is kind of fascinating. Yeah,
0: I definitely, definitely agree. Um, I also kind of want to talk about, uh, and this sort of fits into Tom Merrin, Tom Merrin being like the parent who had the money, but I want yeah. to talk about Hannah and class, uh, Yeah, not something that we like hear as much about on PLL as maybe we should. But of course, Hannah's the one who has the line to Spencer. We don't all have rich lawyer parents. Uh, Hannah's mom- yeah is on the verge of losing the house and has to steal all that money and put it in the lasagna box. Like Hannah is financially vulnerable in ways that the other liars aren't. Like Hannah might not be able to go to college because Tom makes a bunch of money, but won't give it to her. Like, I I feel that that is like an interesting, uh, an interesting element of her character. Uh, And we don't, we don't reckon with it enough but it is always present and always there.
1: I think that's such a good point. And I I think it's interesting in the way that like Ashley is the character who is consistently uh, comes the close to close of any of the parents to like being a criminal. You know, she's in jail for a while. And that sort of idea of like poorness being criminalized. I also think there's a really interesting thing of. It's a greater sort of in 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 the Ashley Hannah relationship, but like it's a greater sin to appear poor than to be poor. Like the greatest sin you can commit is to appear poor because like, as we've talked about, sell that house, Ashley, like it's so much more house than two people need, right? Like get an apartment, get a smaller house, like downsize a little bit. And probably a lot of your financial woes would go away. But it's like this thing of like, we got to keep up appearances. We got to make it look like, you know, like everything's fine. And so we're going to, you know, bankrupt our family because by God, we are going to stay in this house, which I think it's like it's never a thing the show directly addresses. But I I, I do think it's it's fascinating. And yeah, I I think it definitely gives Hannah this sort of scrappiness uh, that somebody like Spencer never really has to develop. It It is interesting because like none of the none of the families other than the Hastings and the De La families are necessarily supposed to be like. Uber rich, um, but there is a sense that Hannah and her mom are are teetering the most. Our, our money is the biggest concern for them.
0: Well, I feel like you kind of know that Emily's family isn't like wealthy in the sense that like Emily is going to have to get a scholarship to go to college. Uh, Emily doesn't have a car that she bought. Emily has a car that she won because <laughs> right. rigged the rigged the drawing. Uh, so like you kind of know those things but like when you think about uh, when you think about work and the moms like Veronica has a career that she enjoys she's not working yeah. for the money the Hastings right. don't need filthy lucas they, they're they like you know they're old money they're not you yeah. know, they're, they're not um, you know pounding the pavement uh, trying to earn cash and then Veronica presumably like stops being a lawyer when she decides to run for office and is also presumably like largely bankrolling uh her political ambitions so like you know veronica is not working for the money pam when she gets a job at the police station that's just sort of something to do like you definitely don't get the sense like a yeah. job you know it's not something that like she doesn't get another job after she loses that one like it's just you know she's she's working as like a a hobby almost uh, yeah. and of course ella works at the school uh but you don't ever like she she quits her job with no consequences and then we're never really sure if she like goes back to doing that or not. So like but Ashley, like Ashley going to jail, Ashley losing her job, that's like a big that's a big deal. Ashley having to be hired by Jessica. Yeah. Uh, and then like Ashley having to like continue working with Jason. Uh, sending out her resume because she's not sure if he's going to sell the business. Like, right? Like, you can just tell through like what Ashley's doing that like the financial situation of Hannah and Ashley is is just not. It's it's never secure. It never feels secure.
1: Well, and that's so interesting in thinking about the Hannah Jordan relationship, right? Because Jordan is very much framed as this wealthy guy from wealthy a wealthy family, like. Old money, probably, you know, there's I, I feel like there's a reference to like a vineyard that his family might own or something. There's, you know, lawyers and Poppy and he, he <laughs> Jordan, Jordan. And he like has some newspaper job, but it's clear that it's like a passion job or like maybe his family like owns the newspaper. We don't really know. Um, But it's it's interesting from the standpoint of like. The choices that Hannah. Is making about her future and like what she wants her future to be. And, like, I think a, a core part of Hannah is that, like, she adores her mom, but she really doesn't want to be her mom. She doesn't want to stay in Rosewood. She doesn't want to be a single mom. She doesn't want to be, like, scrimping every month uh, to pay a mortgage, you know, like, I, and it's – I mean – and then it's frustrating because it's, like it, – Money then doesn't exist in PLO, right? Because it's like, well, Caleb is also nebulously really successful, but so it's not, you know, like it's not like a prince and Popper situation. It's just, uh, it's it's frustrating that that is such a like loose thread in the show. But I do think it's it's interesting in terms of like that idea of the 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 cosplay life, the the New York life that Hannah fancies herself as having.
0: Well, when you talk about Jordan in that way, I feel like there's actually like a really clear connection between Jordan and Sean Ackard like when we look at when we look at these characters as who Hannah feels like she wants to want like the the prom king to her prom you know the homecoming king to her homecoming queen in the photographs yeah it's almost more about that it's almost more about how is it going to look when our engagement photo is in the paper than it is about, like, what is our life going to be like together? Like, how do we relate yeah. to each other as people and how how do we feel about this relationship?
1: Well, and it's just like what I was saying with Ashley. Like, it's that same idea of, like, it's more important that we appear not to be poor rather than like how we actually live our lives and if like we can't afford whatever it's okay as long as we appear wealthy you know and it's kind of like if hannah isn't happy it doesn't matter as long as she appears to have this ideal life
0: yeah and and if everybody like looks at them and thinks like oh of course that's just the kind of man that we would expect hannah maron to be with uh that that like that is like a signifier of Hannah's identity and who Hannah is in that moment. Uh, and that's also so interesting because it isn't Hannah who eventually chooses Haleb as the ship that survives. It's Spencer who chooses yeah. that. It's Spencer who chooses that Hannah and Caleb are going to get back together. And I feel like that is so interesting because that's almost as if Hannah is deciding, well, I, I made Caleb cheat on Spencer. So I guess now if Spencer says, I'm going to be with Caleb, I guess I have to then. Uh, And you just don't really know, you don't really know how much of any of this Hannah chooses because Hannah herself wants it versus Hannah feeling like, well, this is what everyone expects of me.
1: Right. I mean, it's very much, you know, Angelica sending her sister off to, to go marry Alexander in Hamilton. You know, I think that it's, it is, yeah, there is this sense of like, well, we got to make it worth something. <laughs> we cheated after all. Uh, but, you know, what's what's hard about this, too, is like I, based on the arc that Hannah had during the show, like I think so much of her pre-Time Jump arc is about her figuring out what it is that she actually wants and who she actually wants to be. And so it's kind of a bummer to see her so fully regress post-Time Jump and, to have that not be, to have it almost be like out of storytelling convenience, rather than like, oh, we're really making a a statement about Hannah and like where she's gone. Yeah,
0: yeah, I totally agree.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So, what, like, how do you think Hannah's Hannah and her relationship with Ashley, like, how do you think that that informs? who Hannah is and like how she moves through the world, especially in contrast to some of the liars' relationships, other relationships with their moms? Ooh,
0: that's a really good question. Well, one thing I think is that Hannah, um, Hannah wants to have a, a pretty open and like honest relationship with her mother, which is not yeah. something that I think that Spencer desires about her relationship with Veronica which is not something uh, that Emily particularly desires about her relationship with Pam, uh, seeing as how she like runs all over town, telling everyone like, don't tell my mom, Um, XYZ. Yes. Uh, And I I don't think that Aria uh, and Ella really like have a desire for that. So I think that that's like, it's different because Hannah wants to be more honest with Ashley. Uh, And I also think that Hannah and Ashley understand one another much better than any of the other liars like understand their parents or their parents understand their daughter and part of that is because ashley and hannah are so much alike and also it's because ashley and hannah have kind of gone through this like trial by fire of tom leaving them of them like not having enough money needing to try to hide that they don't have enough money like Ashley and Hannah are used to thinking of each other as a unit. Like they're, yeah. two, they're two fighters who are like back to back with swords out fighting mm-hmm. like the hordes that are surrounding them. Uh, and I think that in general, the other liars have like a more antagonistic relationship with their parents, as opposed to like really having like their parent be their ally who's in their corner no matter what.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's really true. And I think that, like, we get the sense that Ashley had a pretty traumatic childhood. And I do get the sense that Ashley probably had to do a lot of work on herself and do go to a lot of therapy herself to be able to get to the place that she is by the time we meet her in the series. And that having gone through all of that, like, she was probably very clear, like, I do not want this for my daughter. Like, I do not want... Uh, to replicate any part of my childhood, uh, for my daughter. I, um, uh, little spoiler alert. I made a, a playlist of Hannah playlist that I'll, will include for this episode. And one of the songs that I included was Taylor Swift's the best day. And there's a line in that song. Um, I know you were on my side, even when I was wrong. And I feel like that line is so, indicative of the hannah and ashley relationship that it's like you know even when one of them thinks that one of them killed the other one they're gonna confess to the murder or they're gonna steal the tape or they're gonna you know like they are gonna do whatever they can for one another uh and i i also think that there is a an element here of like there wasn't a toxic man in the house because like Tom left. And so it's sort of Hannah was sort of raised by a matriarchy. Like she was raised by her mom and, and grandma Marin who's also this incredibly like strong-willed loving, warm woman um, who somehow gave birth to Tom Marin. Uh, And I, I do think that there's an element of like this incredibly strong femininity in that like was really instilled in Hannah at a very young age.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I definitely think that that is a a key part of who she is and like where she gets her strength from.
1: Mhm. Mhm. I agree. And just their relationship is such such a heart a beating heart of the show. Like I just love them so much. And it again, bums me out that like the time jump does kind of weird things with their relationship and like, has Ashley like arranging marriages and such. <laughs> uh, because I I think like, you know, that as we've talked about, like some of the most devastating parts of the series are the parts of like, when Ashley is in jail, you know, and also like we know that when Hannah was in the dollhouse, Ashley, like she had the hardest time of any of the parents because Hannah is her world. Yeah, yeah, she gets hospitalized. She gets uh, hospitalized, my God, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, that actually leads into uh, something that I wanted to talk about, which was uh, Hannah and crime and punishment. Uh, we talk ah. we talk about like the show, especially post-job, kind of heaping misery on Spencer. Like that becomes sort of their go-to move
1: uh, mm-hmm.
0: where, you know, Spencer, you're you know, Veronica's not the mother. And also you're gonna get shot. And also, you know, you have the scene with like everything, everything just really comes down on Spencer towards the end. But I think that over the run of the show, we really see uh, that the show punishes Hannah uh, almost as much as it punishes Allison. Like Hannah is the liar who goes to jail in addition to Allison. Yeah, uh, Hannah is the liar who gets like, uh, you know, Kenneth De Laurentiis is shouting at her in the town square.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: you know, she's having to eat all the cupcakes in order to get like a few hundred dollars out of the paper towel dispenser. Uh, she's gonna get kidnapped. She's going to be tortured. Like, I, and Ashley also winds up hospitalized when Hannah is in the dollhouse. Um, yeah. Ashley herself winds up in jail for a prolonged period of time, and it's kind of unknown whether Hannah is going to have to go and live with strangers um, yeah. because because of everything that's going on. So I just feel like Hannah is so much more susceptible to punishment, and like in the time that we're in now, she's going to be tortured uh, yeah. in a way that the other liars aren't. So I, why do you think that is? Why why does that happen to Hannah? more than to other characters on the show.
1: I that's a great question. I you know, I do think that there is this element of like Hannah is seen as maybe more naive or more trusting and there is this element of like oh well we have to sort of um the phrase that comes to mind is a horrible phrase, but almost like beat that out of her in a sense, which is funny because I feel like Aria is also kind of naive, but like gets to remain that way for the most part. Like she never really has to question that. Uh, I also think Hannah is arguably the most sexually free of any of the liars. And so uh, that, you know, as we talk about as we know like women are constantly punished in real life and in stories for uh being sexually free or taking control of their sexuality uh i also think that hannah is like very unfairly sort of slotted into like the dumb blonde role and it's like the dumb blonde is a character who is maybe seen as more you know somebody who might get hoodwinked or beaten up or tortured or kidnapped and. Like I think, in a lot of ways, Hannah bucks the 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 dumb blonde idea, of course, but i I do think that there are times when the show kind of falls on those archetypes a little bit more um and and I also think that Hannah is maybe a more like positive spin on this. I think Hannah's an incredibly resilient character. Like I really do think that she is able to kind of um bounce back in ways that, and I don't even want to say bounce back because I don't think it's bouncing back. I think she is able to go through something and then sort of figure out how to synthesize it into her life and how to process it in ways that some of the other characters might not be able to.
0: I think that that's a great point. Do you think that's why she's also the most receptive to therapy?
1: I think so. I think so. I think that she's like, she has this She is not as afraid of exploring herself as some of the other liars. And actually, as I'm thinking about that, I'm sort of thinking about that in connection with her identity. Like, with Spencer, for example, I think if Spencer were to really dig into her stuff, as we saw when, you know, during the the Spencer and Radley arc, like, she, as soon as she starts digging into stuff, it's like her identity fractures and she does not know what to do. Like, she is just shattered and and it's like she's she's gone to this place of like oblivion basically hannah has a lot of practice rebuilding her identity from scraps and from scratch and so i think that it's maybe a little bit less scary for her to to question some of these things because she's already done some of that work of of having to rebuild that's a great great point and i think that's really true and and then sometimes that isn't always true, right? Because like then when Allison returns, it's like, whoa, what what is going on here?
0: That's actually that's one of my favorite periods of Hannah is like kind yes. of the 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 white blonde uh, with dark streaks, kind of like uh, you know goth punk queer look. You know, she's rocking that black leather jacket a lot of the time. She's like yes. folding her arms like in a in a tough girl kind of way. Um, yeah, that's that's a, a favorite, a favorite era of Hannah's fashion for me.
1: There was on, on my little like looking at Hannah moments thing today. There was this article that was like it was something like the five best Hannah moments and the five worst Hannah moments or something like that. And the first under best was the, the Hannah being used as bait that we just watched. So immediately I was like, oh, oh this no. is not me. And one of the ones that they listed as worst was that time period with the Hannah Allison stuff. And I was like, "That's one of the most interesting time periods for Hannah. Are you kidding me? like and that was when I really knew that this um this this list was not for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah for
0: for sure. I think that that's actually one of Hannah's like, I like that time period because it really plays with the idea of what if Hannah could be queer? And that kind of yes. goes into your idea of Hannah as, like, the most sexually free liar. Uh, I, I totally think that that's true. Even though we do see Aria have, like, uh, random B&B sex with that terrible man with the guitar. Uh, you know, even, even though we see stuff like that, I, I just feel like, in, in general, it's Hannah. Hannah goes with the flow. Hannah... Would not be like would not be troubled about sleeping with anyone, uh, if they were a guy or a girl or whoever. If she was into them, she would do it.
1: Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Like you know, we've we've kind of talked about I and I agree with you. I think that Hannah would have the least traumatic coming out arc of any of the liars. But like, what would it take for Hannah to acknowledge Mona's feelings for her? And like, what would a Vandermaren relationship actually look like? in practice do you think or is it like is it a thing that can never be is it sort of like you know like two parallel lines they'll never meet oh man I don't
0: want to think that it's two parallel lines that'll never meet um I think I think that um okay this is like (laughs) um it's sort of like the Sherlock Holmes thing where you have to look at every other possible solution and if none of them are correct, then the one that you're left with, however improbable, is the one. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when when I was in college and when coming out was like a much more fraught thing than I, I hope it is today for a lot of people. Um, there there were these two, uh, these two women that I knew who lived in my dorm uh, who eventually, like spoiler alert in the story, they wind up dating. Um, but they always kind of had like a thing for each other. and It was like, you know, are, are we going to say it? Are we friends? What's going on? And one of them had told the other like, oh, yeah, I, I have a crush. I have a crush on a girl, but like they weren't going to say who. And of course, it was like the friend. Um, right. But like they spent a whole summer with the friend guessing like every other woman who went <laughs> to our college to see if like that was was who they had a crush on and i feel like that's the level that hannah and Mona are at where like they have to like go through this like really elaborate pantomime of like eliminating like every other person in the world that you might have feelings for until it's like but wait am I the only one left Oh, Cal Supreme, you know, like, it would, be, it, it, would, it would almost have to be something along those lines. What do you think?
1: I, I think that that is such a funny image. Um, Yeah, I, you know, I really, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like... Based on where they are in the series, like, where they end the series, I think a lot of rehab for their relationship would need to happen because, like, things are in a weird, bad place uh, with both of these characters and their relationship to one another by the time the show ends. But I, I do think, like, I think a situation where they... We're suddenly in like much more sustained close contact. Like I do think that there's this thing that happens where it's like the other liars and Caleb, but also a little bit Hannah, never want Mona too close to Hannah because it's like, I mean, the the cover story is like, oh, she's A, she's going to manipulate you. But I think that there's also this other element, this unspoken element of like something, something might happen. Like something might happen here. Like there's this energy between these two women and sooner or later, you know, it's going to catch fire. Like it, it, that's just sort of an inevitability. And so I think if they were in a situation like, which does sort of become a bit of a storyline in the next season where like Mona deputizes herself as Hannah's new like assistant or whatever it is, I forget exactly. But I do think a situation where they were in sustained close contact it, it would be sort of inevitable. Like it would kind of become a thing where like they would be relying on each other for everything and they it would it would sort of be almost like so obvious at that point that neither one of them could or would even really want to look away from it because it would be like, well, this is just so clear, you know?
0: Oh, man. Give Hannah and Mona their don't look away moment.
1: Oh, I know. I know. I know. Exactly. Yeah. They can, they can even, well, I guess instead of making out by a pool, they'd make out by like a, a, you know, a a rack of dresses or something because like that would be their love language. But I, I just think that these two characters are so, they're so the, the, the yin yang to each other, you know? And I just feel like they would inevitably, it would, it would sort of have to happen if they were spending that much time together.
0: Well, also, I feel like when you talk about the liars kind of having a, a, a general feeling of like they don't want Hannah to be around Mona or to get too close to Mona, I think it's because the liars have like, uh, you know, there's so much of like Mona and mirrors that that's always like yeah. a theme with her. Uh, and I think that we're seeing the the refracted image of Mona being afraid the liars were going to take Hannah away from her. And knowing that the liars had that power, the liars on some level understand that Mona holds the power as well. Mona holds the reverse power. She could potentially take Hannah away from them in a way that Caleb never could.
1: Well, I agree with that. And I also think that for Hannah to acknowledge that maybe she's in love with Mona or that maybe she's queer... Would sort of force a, an identity reflection that I think especially Spencer is not ready for because it would be like this, you know, it's sort of like, OK, well, Emily's the gay one. And like we've in our mind, we've cast Emily in the role of the gay one. And like, that's fine. Emily came out when we were teenagers. It's all good, you know. But then it's like if adult Hannah suddenly realized that like she was queer and that she was in love with Mona Spencer would be left going like oh man something (laughs) I feel a weird little tingle of something and I don't know what to do with it and I don't like it but maybe I like it a lot you know like I think it would be really confusing for her
0: yeah I totally agree well especially because then in addition to having feelings. For Hannah and Caleb, Spencer might have to reckon that she has feelings for, like, Hannah and Mona. So it's it's a exactly. complicated, it would be a complicated time to be Spencer Hastings. But isn't it always?
1: Isn't it always? And I think also, like, Spencer as leader of the Liars, like, she holds that power. Like, I really think that if, if like, for example, if Aria was left to her own devices, I don't think she would really have that much animosity for Mona. You know, oh. Arya is pretty forgiving, too.
0: Well' yeah, look at uh, look at like Arya and Jenna. Uh, they have yes. a, a pretty a pretty good relationship at at various points.
1: So well, well, speaking of, can we talk a little bit about Hannah and Jenna?
0: Oh, I would love to.
1: Yeah, because I, we've talked about this before. I feel like the Hannah Jenna arc in the early seasons is like such a sort of perfect mini arc and perfect microcosm of Hannah as a character that she goes from like shame and guilt to anger, you know, when she slaps Mona in in the bathroom, uh, to eventually saving or slaps Jenna, sorry, slaps Jenna in the bathroom. I just have Mona on the mind, you know, <laughs> always. Uh to to eventually saving Jenna.
0: Yeah, I really love that arc for Hannah, especially because Hannah feels so much guilt and so much like yeah. they all do at first around what has happened to Jenna. And that Hannah is really like the only one. Who sort of like, in her own mind at least, feels like she gets to pay off that debt because she chooses yeah. to save Jenna on more than one occasion. Hannah chooses to save Jenna, uh, so yeah, it's it's a it, it's a really like powerful kind of sign of Hannah coming into her own and and in that way choosing not to be controlled by the past.
1: Yes, yeah, she sort of it, it, she sort of breaks that that curse in a sense. And I I think it's really like it's Jenna is so much the physical manifestation of like the liar's guilt and shame. And so there's this way in which by forgiving Jenna, uh, Hannah is sort of able to forgive herself in a way that I don't think any of the other liars are really ever able to do.
0: I think you're so right about that. And I think that we see that in action. When, uh, remember when Jenna, uh, during the, the time period when Jenna can see and she's driving the car yep. and, and Hannah just marches right over and bangs on the hood? Like, yes. The other liars are still too frightened of Jenna. They're still too, like, like they're still too, um, like, I don't want to say fearful, but, like, they they sort of cower in the face of what Jenna still represents to them. But yeah. Hannah, like, Hannah, Hannah, who is receptive to, to therapy, is able to, like, go right over to Jenna and be, like, you know, bang on the hood, demanding uh, demanding an accounting of what's going on.
1: Well, I, I love that example. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's such a great scene. And and it reminds me, actually, the way you were saying that of uh, the Paige and Emily scene when Paige is like, you know, you came out. And Emily is like, yeah, I, you know, and Paige is so, like, enraptured by this idea. And Emily's like... Yeah, I came out, you know, it didn't go perfectly, but, like, now whatever happens, like, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I feel like an element of that is at play in contrast, like, Hannah is sort of the Emily there, and all the other liars are sort of the page, where it's like, Hannah's Hannah's confronted Jenna. Hannah's sort of dealt with that. It's like, maybe it didn't go perfectly, maybe there were some, you know, slaps and fires involved, but, like, whatever happens... She doesn't have to deal with it in the same way that the other liars do. Unfortunately, I think that some of that gets kind of retconned as the series goes on because they like they are always resetting mistakes, especially with regard to Jenna. Uh, but I do think that there's like between like seasons one and three, there's a pretty consistent arc uh, around Hannah and Jenna specifically.
0: Yeah, I definitely I definitely think that that's true. Um I think that Hannah, like when you when we talk about that, we talk about Hannah being able to forgive herself in a way that yeah. the other liars aren't. I think that we can like kind of look back on that and say that like Hannah is able to forgive other people, almost anything. And I think that Hannah is able to forgive herself, almost anything. The thing that Hannah cannot forgive herself for is that she was fat when she was younger, that she sees herself yes. as having been fat. The body positivity movement has not reached Hannah Marin uh, in in the way that we hope and wish that it could have.
1: I think that that's such a great point. And did you want to talk, because I know you had, ha- you had wanted to talk a little bit about kind of Hannah's relationship with food. And, and we'll put, I mean, just trigger warnings, we'll be talking a little bit about disordered eating. I'll put a note in the show notes, but like, maybe we could, maybe we could talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, I just think that I think that it is always there for Hannah. We always see it in times when Hannah is stressed. She's either eating too much or she's not eating anything. Um, it's always, and we never get a sense of like, in what ways did Hannah overcome this? And in what ways did she not? Like, we see that she was like, maybe gonna throw up in the bathroom of Lucky Leon, Leon's before Aria comes in and like, they talk and stuff. So I, I just feel like, it's one of those things that's just always in the same way that Spencer is an addict. Like it's always present as part of Hannah's character uh, that she's defining herself as like not wanting to be that person again, not wanting to be the person who like eats too many cookies or too much ice cream. And then Allison is showing her how to throw up in the toilet.
1: Right. And, and I do think like a thing that Hannah believes about herself, it's this like uh, sort of almost like, Catch 22 thing of like, she can always be thinner and prettier, but she'll also never be thin and pretty enough, you know, which is a very, very much a disordered eating kind of mindset. Uh, and I, I think it's, I, I agree that it's like it, you know, it's funny. I, I, I was for the other day, I was thinking about the movie The Devil Wears Prada. And I was thinking about um, how, you know, there's the whole thing with the Anne Hathaway character where she comes in and it's like she's a size six and Stanley Tucci's like, oh, well, that's like the equivalent of like a size 14. And then later in the movie, like part of her, you know, glamorous transformation is that then she's like a size four and she and Stanley Tucci toast to that idea. And I was thinking about the fact that like that movie, it takes to task a lot of ideas around um, sort of the the shallowness of the, the fashion industry, but it sort of applauds the idea that Anne Hathaway's character has like managed to get herself down to a size four and like, isn't that such a good thing? And I, I sort of feel like PLL does a similar thing where it's like, Hannah is allowed to not have to interact with disordered eating or with like her feelings of shame around that or any of that. Because she remains thin. Yeah, that's so
0: true. Which is why it's interesting that Hannah wants to be pregnant. Because I think she would wind up having a lot of feelings about the way in which her body would change during that experience.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. And it's it's just, it's a, it's. I like this like I it it really fits for me that this is Hannah's backstory like it, it makes a lot of sense to me in terms of like the arc of Hannah's character but it, I also like I wish that Hannah was able to show more compassion for that younger version of herself and also to like embrace all parts of herself and embrace the idea of herself like at any size.
0: Agree oh my gosh I agree so much with that I hope that Hannah's future is the like she goes off and she founds like a fashion line that like makes cute clothes in all sizes, uh, not just like the teeny tiny size four and size six. But when you were talking about Hannah and one of the things she believes being that like, she could always be prettier or she could always be thinner or she could always like, you know, she she could always make herself more perfect in some way. Uh, th- I think this is actually a comparison I have not yet made about a PLL to another show. Um, but I I watch The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. It's the only Real Housewives show that I have really gotten into. Uh, but there's a woman on there whose name is Heather Gay and she is a former Mormon. Uh, and she talks about in the Mormon church, uh, like the belief that like you can attain perfection. Uh, mm-hmm. You just have to keep working at it. And so she owns like a beauty lab that like will like, you know, alter your your lips or your boobs or like whatever in 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 this quest for like bodily perfection. Uh, and I think that that's so interesting. I think that that is on some level what Hannah believes as well. That perfection is attainable. She just has to keep.
1: You know, I, I wish
0: it, I wish for her it wasn't that she keeps having to be less. There needs to be like less of her in some way in order to, mm. to get there.
1: That's a really interesting idea. I, I have a moment of sadness that our podcast is not a video podcast because the look of like deep confession on your face when you told me that you watched The Real <laughs> Housewives of Salt Lake City was was really great. Uh, <laughs> you know, I no judgment here. I, you know, I, I have watched a lot of terrible reality TV myself, um, but I think that that's such a good point. And it, it goes to another thing that I was thinking about, which is that I think Hannah almost has this mistrust in her own ability to like run her own life. And I, I wonder how that is connected to her feelings of worrying that she'll lose control and like gain the weight again, you know, or like, uh, you know, not, not be as, be as successful or as disciplined as she needs to be in order to, Ah, uh, you know, get to the next rung in in the fashion world or whatever. Like there is this, we see her sort of giving up the the power to sort of run her life to other characters, to Allison, to Mona, to Caleb, to Jordan, uh, to Claudia. You know, and I I do wonder how that is. Like it's almost like she doesn't trust herself to to follow the rules that she set for herself. So she has to like bring other people on board as like the, the sort of the, the ruler of her life or something.
0: Oh, that's such a great point. Well, also some of those relationships you mentioned, I think it's just, I think that Hannah, one of the the traits that we see uh, and it's, you know, maybe it's connected to her always wanting to give people a second chance, but Hannah stays in abusive relationships more than any other character on the show Ah, uh, you could definitely say that. Like her formative friendship with Allison was pretty emotionally abusive. Uh, she stays with Caleb even like well into the point where Caleb is getting like way too controlling uh, and and really trying to like micromanage what Hannah's doing with her life. Uh, mm-hmm. She stays in the relationship with Claudia, working for her, even though like Claudia obviously doesn't treat her well. Uh, so I think it's it's an interesting character note that that's a pattern. Uh, that seems to keep repeating in Hannah's life.
1: Especially when we look at the idea that Tom Marin may have been in some way abusive to Ashley, which I I think is definitely there if you're, if you're looking for it.
0: Oh, a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is really interesting. And like, maybe does that go to your point, the point that you were saying earlier about like, does Hannah believe that she's unworthy of love or that, or that she's only worthy of like a very conditional kind of love based on like how she can perform perfection for the other person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that all of that goes into it. And also like Hannah wants to be, Hannah wants to be like the up and comer who's working for Claudia. Hannah wants to be like the girl who's walking two steps behind Allison in the hallway. Like it's all about how Hannah wants it to look to the, to the world versus like how Hannah is actually being treated in the context of that relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and right, the idea of the the sort of fairy tale life or the, you know, she's so the first few episodes of of the time jump, she spends so much time talking about like her perfect life in New York, you know, and framing it as like, oh, I'm just living this like New York fantasy life. And we quickly learn that it's that's not the case really at all. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's very interesting to think about. Um What? So we've talked a lot about like Hannah's ideas of happiness and like what, you know, what looks good as happiness. What what do you think Hannah actually needs to be happy, genuinely happy?
0: Hmm. Oh, that's such a that's such a good question. Um I think that for Hannah for Hannah to be truly happy, I think that she needs to be in a relationship where she can be herself and feel secure. Like she can feel so like and, and not to be like, well, obviously she can only be with Spencer or Mona, but like remember, <laughs> <laughs> remember when they talk about like you're the one it was safe for me to get mad at. Like, yeah, I, I, I feel like that kind of that kind of comes back. Like she needs to be with someone who she can know, like loves her for who she is, and understands mm-hmm. her. For who she is, and isn't going to pressure her to change, uh, and so I think that Spencer is a great candidate. I think Emily is a great candidate. I think Mona is a great candidate, etc.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I'm also thinking of the the scene that you mentioned earlier of them, uh, Spencer and Hannah sharing the beer, and how it's like when Hannah needed to feel strong. I mean, obviously it was Alex Drake. We know this, but it's like in her. In her understanding of what that moment was, it, it was Spencer. It was like Spencer was what brought her strength. Ah, uh, and yeah, I I agree. I think that Hannah Hannah needs to feel like Hannah needs to sort of believe that she is deserving of unconditional love and work to love herself unconditionally uh and I think she also needs and this is sort of a a general note for all of the liars but I think is especially true for Hannah that like just because something feels safe and comforting in the moment doesn't necessarily mean it's the right choice for you you know uh I think that's true in a lot of ways (laughs) for her
0: yeah yeah I would certainly agree
1: And that it's, like, this, I think she is very much romantic, especially in the time period we're talking about now, she's very much romanticized this idea of, like, going home again and what could have been and sort of, I never stopped loving you. I never, you know, and I, I, okay, like, that's all, you know, well and good, but I, I think that she needs to recognize that, like, it's there's a lot out there and I think it all it does come back to this idea of her being sort of afraid of her own power and like what would happen if she just really let herself try new things and like take these risks well when you talk
0: about Hannah being afraid of her own power like I think of the advice that like Captain Awkward often gives or like Danny Lavery often gives that like Wanting to break up with someone is enough of a reason. Like you don't have to make a federal case. Just if you want to not be in that relationship, that's enough. You can just decide you don't want to do that anymore. I think Hannah being able to decide, I don't want this. I do want this in in the same way that she would decide on like a dress that she did or didn't want. I think that that would really be like the key to Hannah being able to kind of like really really like ascend into like her own uh like you know kind of being more of her own boss in terms of her choices
1: I agree and I also think of the advice that Allison gave Emily when she said you know be careful what you're good at hun or you'll be doing it your whole life which is maybe one of the most like sage pieces of wisdom ever on PLL it's actually a quote that I think about quite a lot um and I I do think that that's kind of Hannah is sort of like, oh well, I was good at being Caleb's girlfriend, and I was good at being, you know, I'm good at helping people, or I'm good at, you know, and so like that's obviously like what my life should be, uh, rather than kind of leaning into some of the curiosity that I think she's really shown in her best moments, and and really exploring like, who am I? What? What? Do I want? What? Uh, not to. <laughs> Not to bring it back to Teenage Bounty Hunters, but I, I actually think a character who shares a lot of DNA with Hannah is Sterling Wesley, because I think that they're both really big hearted characters who have this sort of um, curiosity and and love and, you know, giant heart that they sort of extend into the world. And I think a thing that uh, I would hope that Hannah could maybe take from a character like Sterling is that sort of self-curiosity.
0: I agree with that. And also they're characters who are uh, frequently underestimated because they're yes. like women. They're a certain type of woman. Uh, and so it's not it's not really like expected that they're going to be like a sharpshooter or it's not really expected uh, that they're going to be actually quite smart.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and I think that sometimes Hannah has internalized some of these narratives about herself rather than. um and I think she just needs to kind of learn how to, like, let some of those narratives go,
0: yeah. oh, i I definitely, definitely agree. I hope that uh, I hope that she continues with therapy. And I hope that she has, like, a, a really good therapist who can help her uh, get through a lot of these uh, a lot of these issues that she has been carrying around for a while,
1: and I hope that she is in a circumstance at some point where Mona, in a moment of like, you know, maybe a moment of of upset grabs uh, Hannah by the arm and Hannah (laughs) figures a few things out, has that moment of clarity and like realizes that, you know, maybe going back to her boyfriend is actually not what she wants.
0: I, I mean, honestly, when you were talking about what would it take for Vandermeer to happen, what would it look like? I almost thought like it would take Mona just like grabbing Hannah and kissing her and then Hannah all of a sudden being like, (laughs)
1: <laughs> i get it now yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense but that's like the tragedy of and i feel because i think mona loves hannah so much that she wouldn't do that i you know. know it and is
0: it is <laughs> that is the that is the catch-22 of it
1: yeah yeah um can we talk a little bit about hannah as a loyal friend
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, we talked about that a little bit earlier when we were talking about the way that she goes after Wilden on Emily's behalf. Um, but you, you see her, she has a ferocious loyalty uh, to her friends and to the extent that she'll continue believing in her friends even when her friends don't believe in themselves. Like How many times does Spencer uh, accuse herself of murder? And Hannah will never once believe that that's true. She'll fight Spencer herself uh, when, like, when they're doing the whole red coat thing Uh, to to expose to Spencer that, like, you're not one of them. You're one of us.
1: Right. And I think that, like, that is a key difference in Hannah and Allison, which is, like, Allison sort of kind of, like, curries this loyalty through fear and intimidation. And it's like Hannah's never going to – Hannah's always going to hurt herself before she hurts someone else. But it's, like, for her, it's, like, this fierce love and loyalty born out of, like, genuine – like genuine love and care and like belief in the the goodness of her friends. Uh the moment, you know, after the academic decathlon, for example, when she goes up and yells at Mona because she feels like Mona has messed with Spencer. And it's a very confusing moment for Hannah because her wives are fighting. But you know, it's like she's like, no, you like Mona can get away with a lot in Hannah's eyes, but if you hurt somebody that she loves, she's she's gonna turn on you.
0: I mean, Mona broke Hannah's leg. Mona yes. ran yes. Hannah over with a car. Where's yes. the loyalty?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like mess with Spencer and and you're gonna hear about it. Um, I was also trying to remember, and maybe you can help me piece this together because this was, I believe, a season one storyline when Hannah um Hannah was going to give the ticket to Ella that would have would have allowed Ella to see Ezra and Aria on the date. Mm-hmm. And Hannah was like incredibly torn up about it. And it was for the sake of protecting her mom, right?
0: Yes, I think it was. And she was uh, supposed to give it to Ella. She puts it in Ella's mailbox and then she makes Caleb or like, you know, Caleb kind of like volunteers, I guess, to go and mess with Ella's car. So she can't make it there.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and I think like Hannah is so tortured in that whole circumstance because like the prospect of, of betraying her friends is just the worst thing in the world to her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she doesn't like, she goes through with it, but then she tries to like back out of it at the same time, as opposed to like when Avataria is going to show up and just like, just like be this like extended, uh, extended period of Arya betraying people.
1: Well, and even in a more recent, uh, recent time period when Hannah like thinks that Aria might have been involved with Charlotte's murder, you know, she does not tell Allison about it. And she also steals the the tape. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. And she confronts Aria about it before she tells any of the others what's going on.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That that loyalty of hers is is really fierce.
0: Yeah, she's a good, she's a good friend. She's definitely somebody that you want in your corner.
1: Uh, uh, Unless you are Spencer and uh, (laughs) Hannah is, is macking on your boyfriend. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, man, that is such a, such a rough road for that character.
1: It's such a rough road. It really is. It's such a bummer and it's, it'll be interesting once we have like the rest of that storyline to talk about, like, I do feel like there's a little bit more emphasis on Spencer and Hannah's relationship uh, as we move into season seven. But, yeah, it's it's also sort of like the damage has been done in a sense. It is, but it's
0: also, I think there's a lot that's going into the Hannah-Caleb thing. Like, uh, I mean, I've been really mad about it the past few episodes that we've been discussing. But I think, like I said before, there's part of it that is just like, Hannah wants to blow up her life before A can do it for her. And Caleb is like just the stick of dynamite that happens to be laying there uh, that she's going to grab and and try to use for that purpose. Um, I think that's part of it. And I also think there's a real, like, you know, Buffy end of the world type vibe. Like, you know, we don't know if this plan is going to work. We don't know what comes next. So, like, she's just kind of, like, trying to get it out there, um, regarding her, her whole Caleb situation. Uh, but the, the thing that the show never has to get into is like what happens after the danger is over. Like Caleb and yeah. Hannah, their, their problems are going to be sitting right there where they left them. They're still two people who do not know how to communicate with each other.
1: And now there's, they're going to have a baby. Yeah. 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 Um, oh I was thinking about another moment in there but now it left me I'm sure it'll come back but uh yeah I think that that is that that is a very good point about about the the situation with Haleb and like I, I yeah I do think that a, a divorce is is definitely looming for those two
0: yes the seething resentment uh is is going to return
1: it is inevitably inevitably um well, do we have more that we want to say about Hannah maron Wow,
0: I think we have said so much about her, and I've had so much fun saying it.
1: I agree. I agree. It has been a really great time. um oh, I just go ahead.
0: Hannah's looks. I can't believe we haven't talked. Oh Hannah's my gosh. Hannah and fashion. How can we? How can we wrap up our Hannah episode without talking? And, and so I'm just gonna say, I feel like in general, whenever the liars are dressed for an occasion. Whether it's funerals, whether it's a masked ball, I feel like Hannah wins the fashion competition nine times out of ten. Best funeral looks, best dance looks. Uh, If I had to say her best dance look, I really loved her Juliet costume. Uh, In
1: yes, in season in the early
0: season, yes, I think that's a beautiful. She looks so. She looks so like innocent and sweet. She has that flower crown, and yes. this is what this is what she's gonna be wearing, of course, when she finds out that Mona. Is, this is like this is like what she's wearing on a night that her innocence is going to like undergo a sea change forever and ever. Uh, but I love I love that look on her.
1: Well, I another thing that I love about that look is that I know that technically like Caleb is like the Romeo in that scene. But I love how that's the episode where Paige shows up in a suit and there's that beautiful scene between Paige and Emily that I feel is in so many ways a mirror of all the things that that um Mona and Hannah can't say to each other. So that yeah, that that outfit for so many reasons gets lots of points. Um I love all the bad girl Hannah looks. I think that they're so much fun. Um I I love the episode where Hannah goes the this is a weirdly specific reference but the episode like fresh meat where hannah goes to um she's trying to investigate wilden and there's like that weird bear she like goes on a college tour and there's like that weird bear that has like guts in it or whatever it is she has this like very cool outfit on that i remember and it's just like she just looks she just looks cool like it's just a great a great look uh
0: I think that Hannah's jackets are like a thing unto themselves. Like Hannah has the black leather jacket that we've talked about. That's a queer look. She has a white leather jacket that she wears sometimes. That's yeah. so great. She has like, I, I feel like a whole closet of denim jackets, uh, which hello, queer look alert. Yep. Um, so I, I feel like Hannah's jackets are just often, um, often like the best part of an episode.
1: Uh, also love her little, um, Eiffel Tower shirt that she wears to the gay bar. My, one of my favorite details of that episode is she has like a bedazzled blazer that she's wearing over it for most of the episode. And she's like, no, I can't wear this to the, to the lesbian (laughs) bar. I have to, I have to take off my bedazzled blazer and just be in my little Paris shirt.
0: Yes. She dramatically takes it off as she's heading in there. That is a, a very good moment.
1: I also love, um, in the episode when the Liars go back to school or they're going to go back to school after the dollhouse and Hannah like puts a lot of work into her appearance and she picks out that like really beautiful blue dress. And it's like clearly like a power outfit for her. I I love that.
0: Yeah. And then Hannah's the only one who shows up, right?
1: I think so. I think she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I love like, I I love any time, like, i I always love a thing about Hannah is that she's a character who gets to be like unabashedly girly and smart. And so I love whenever she just gets to wear something kind of like froofy and bright and girly, although I also love the episode where she's too depressed to work a zipper and so <laughs> has to wear um has to wear like the her sweat sweat clothes, which are still like very stylish. <laughs>
0: I love when uh, Spencer has been wearing the same clothes for like three days. And so Hannah lends her an extra shirt and you can just tell looking at the shirt that it's Hannah's. Uh, I, I think that says so much about Hannah's fashion sense and like how, how it plays into her character.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. She's yeah. She always, she always has fun looks. And again, like, uh, Any time that she like dresses for a specific occasion or a specific like mood that she's trying to kind of curate, I I love that.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, I'm glad we were able to get like a small uh, a small sampling of Hannah's fashion journey because I think that's one of the really really fun elements about her character.
1: Oh, I completely agree, and I and I like that like Hannah, we we really see the evolution of Hannah's character through her fashion. Um, you know, I'll also like hats off to, um, well, I should say hats off to anytime she wore a hat. But really, what I was going to say is like when, like in the moments that we see that are like flashbacks to uh, when Mona was making her over and like those first few sort of Hannah as Allison outfits, I think were really fun and interesting. Oh, I I totally I, agree, and you look at them and you
0: can tell that those clothes are more Allison than Hannah. Like the, the story of the fashion in, in that era of the show is just really, really on point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, And it's also interesting too, from the standpoint of like at the time period when Hannah has been, when Hannah's shoplifting a lot and like how that maybe informs her style with like accessories and such
0: and how that feeds into the class narrative that we were talking yes. about where like Hannah wants to appear to have more money than she does so she's stealing a pair of $500 sunglasses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in her typical very like smooth Hannah way. Oh,
0: man. Yeah. I want I want like a I want like a future fic where Hannah and Spencer are like cat burglars together or like con artists <laughs> together. I think that would be so much fun.
1: Well, you know, adding to our favorite moments, like the whole beginning of six or uh, of season six, like one of the bright spots is Hannah and Spencer as detectives together, and like Hannah crumpling up the paper in the office, and like Hannah <laughs> putting on the, the the glasses, the fake glasses, being like, oh, I, like totally see better with these, you know, like it's it's and it's kind of like that. The, all of those moments feel really bittersweet because it's like the last gasp of like that Hannah.
0: Yeah, oh, it's so true. Uh, yeah, Hannah wanting bubbly water when they're when they're doing their recon at the Kerasimi yeah. group.
1: Oh, I know. And she's like, well, this is, you know, again, it's like Hannah playing the part. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. And the Kerasimi group scholarship, like yet another way, that like Hannah yes. not having a lot of money becomes like a, a thing that like moves other parts of the plot.
1: And Spencer being completely clueless about like what that means or looks like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so a new fun thing is that we have a Spotify now, everybody, a everybody gay. And, um, I just, I couldn't resist making a little Hannah playlist. So would be very curious if people like play the, the playlist making, if, if that's a thing that people would be interested in more of, um, would love, would love to know if that's something people are interested in. Cause it's, it's fun. And I just feel like, I feel like Hannah deserved her own playlist, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why
1: not? Why not? Uh, well, do we have anything more we want to say about Hannah Marin?
0: I think I think we've said all we can for now. Hannah Marin never change.
1: Hannah Maron, such a joy, such a great character. We love you. We love you. And and Hannah always knows what Hannah means. <laughs> Forever and always. Uh, well, if you have any thoughts on uh, Hannah Marin, things that you know, favorite moments of your own that you would like to share. Uh, songs that you would add to your own Hannah playlist. You can, of course, send us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our Instagram at everybodyapodcast. You can check out our Spotify at Everybody a, Everybody Gay. Uh And you can also send in a rating and review on iTunes. We would appreciate it. Uh, the bonus episodes are going to be continuing. We have some more fun ideas. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of fun to to be doing these deep dives. I really enjoy them.
0: Me too. Me too. Uh, We'll see what we have on tap for next time.
1: We will. All right. Take care.